prayed that, I wonder how many times, just probably just this week, we've used the word hate in describing something that was probably not a good word to use, you know. I hate that sauce with this vegetable or I hate how this shirt makes me look fat. <laughs> or I hate these shoes, right? When we really don't hate the shoes, we're there's just, you know, we're just not crazy about those kinds of things. I wonder how many times we use hate when another word or series of words would do far better. When God uses the word hate, though, he's serious about it. It really is. And I want us to see today, we're going to use this text again and again for, the, for this month, every Sunday this month. But if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 6, this is going to be our springboard. And we're going to see the things God hates and then parallel this, this passage with some, some other verses to illustrate these very things in Scripture. Scripture always is faithful to speak to itself as well as it speaks to us. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19 says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now today, we're going to look at those first two, haughty eyes and a lying tongue. Haughty eyes and light. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in Matthew 7 and in James chapter 1. If you want to follow along with us today, the, the scripture will be on the screen for you. But I want us to look first at this idea of haughty eyes. What's he talking about when he says that? Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6, I think speak to this very clearly. He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck? of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. <coughs> do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Two things I want us to see today from Matthew 7, 1 to 6 about haughty eyes. Haughty eyes are eyes, first of all, that are judgmental. They're eyes that are judgmental. Look at 1 and 2 again with me. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. In the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. The Bible has a good deal to say about judgment, but the main thing it says about judgment is this. It's God's business. It's God's business to judge and not ours. Uh, most of us already know that, but we're quick to look at someone else's behavior, someone else's ideas, someone else's appearance, someone else's decisions, how someone else processes things, and pass judgment on, on, on that ourselves, and I wonder why we do that. Well, my assessment is this. It's really pretty simple. It's to make us feel better about ourselves. If I can judge the wrong that I see in you, I feel less badly about the wrong that I know I'm carrying around myself. And so, if I can feel better about myself by judging you, I'll judge you readily rather than my own sin, my own problem. Um, and I think that's probably a, a simple and, and, and fair explanation probably for most of us. But judgmental eyes come from a place of superiority. They come from a place of saying or thinking, 
well, I'm not perfect, but at least I've never done that or said that or went there. Or uh, it's, it's, It comes from a place of, of superiority oftentimes. Uh, he says also in this verse that with the measure you use, it's going to be measured to you. In essence, what goes around comes around. How you, how you judge others, you're going to be judged as well by that same token in that same way. Uh, the end of that story, though, is this, is that God's the judge, and I'll share with you, we may not like it, but God is the judge, and his judgment is perfect every time. He's perfect at it every time. He, he sees to the heart. He sees to the core of things. He, see, he gets to the quick of things in us like that, and he's perfect at it every time. I don't like that because I don't look like that. I don't look like he wants me to look. I don't think like he wants me to think. And his judgment is true of me, though, whether I like it or not or whether it's convenient for me or not. That's true of you as well. Haughty eyes are judgmental. Second thing, haughty eyes are eyes that are arrogant. They're eyes that are arrogant. Look at verses 3 and 4. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Why do you look at the speck? Pay no attention to the plank. The short answer here <clears throat> is the same as before. Your speck helps me feel better about my plank. <laughs> as, as bizarre as that sounds, the fact that you got problems and I got problems makes, makes me feel better about my own rather than judging my own problems. It, it is, again, a judgmental attitude that, 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 that's, that that's birthed in. And it, rather than pull out my own plank, rather than address my own, my own deficiencies, my own disobedience, my own sin, my own arrogance, I'd rather focus on yours than my own. Uh, I'd rather think or say the easy thing than do the hard thing and get my own plank out of my own eye. Uh, God, God has to be saddened and probably angered at a church, global and churches in particular, that say, straighten up, clean up, get yourself okay, and then connect up. I know God's broken by that. And church after church all across America is sitting, sitting in pews this morning. We don't say that out loud. But someone new comes in or someone we don't know comes in and, and there, seem, seem to be, there seems to be some baggage. Could I give you a quick time out here? We've all got baggage. We're all, we're all broken. But in church after church, we... we, we, we Again, it's unspoken, but it's attitudinal oftentimes in how we treat people. Nice to meet you this morning, I think. Um, and we, we, can, we can be guilty of coming across as clean up, straighten up, and then you can, can connect up. And I'm going to tell you, if, if that rings true church to church, we're all toast. We're all toast. And so, because we're all sinners and we all need a savior we're all broken in a broken place uh, straighten up clean up and confess up psalm 5 says this about arrogance the arrogant cannot stand in your presence you hate all who do wrong you destroy those who tell lies bloodthirsty and deceitful men the lord abhors strong language isn't it he hates arrogance he hates haughtiness. Uh, Proverbs tells us that, and Matthew 7 tells us that. Um, but if our eyes are continually drawn to someone else's flaws, 
instead of our own, I'm going to tell you, sooner or later, ours are going to be exposed too. Eyes that are drawn to someone else's flaws instead of their own, our own flaws will be exposed sooner or later in and of themselves as well. And we're not going to like that when that happens. How about we first deal with our haughtiness? How about we first deal with our judgmentalism, our arrogance, and then walk out our faith in a world full of broken people? We're a broken mess. Sunday after Sunday, we're all a broken mess. Now, we come at various stages of brokenness. Some are less broken than others. Some are deeply broken. But we live in a broken place. We're broken people in a broken place. How dare we think this is supposed to work? We were having dinner last night with some friends and talking about some hard places and hard, 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 hard times to walk through. And, and I don't know where we've come together with this concept that, that this is supposed to fit. You know, we're, life is supposed to work here. And the, the channels and the decisions we make are all supposed to work out somehow. This is a broken world full of broken people where the prince of the power of the air has domain and dominion oftentimes in this world. And while we expect anything besides that, I don't know, because we are inadequate on our best day. All of us are. Haughty eyes are eyes that are judgmental and eyes that are arrogant. Uh, we're, we're a broken mess, and we all need the grace of God applied, poured over our lives. But let's look at this idea of a lying tongue. Turn to James chapter 1, if you will. And I want us to look together at verse 26 of James 1, which says this. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. They deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. A lying tongue is deceitful. A lying tongue in and of itself is deceitful. That's what he says here. Consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on, on their tongue. They deceive themselves, he says here. So... <clears throat> My, my Parkinson's disease has made me keenly aware and is teaching me, has taught me, and is, is teaching me this strange and weird connection between my brain and my body. Uh, it's a connection that's, that used to be made automatic and seamless, and, but it's, it's, it's a connection now that requires effort. Uh, e even the connection between brain and, and tongue that we're talking about here. Almost 24-7, my tongue now twitches inside my mouth. Uh, as a symptom of, of TD. And it's, the, it's kind of the weirdest, strangest, uncontrollable thing I can, can describe to you. And so this connection between my brain and my mouth, my brain and my body, is <clears throat> a connection that I'm more keenly aware of now than I used to be. And he's saying here, I think, in this verse, to connect our mind and our tongue. Because what we first say is filtered through what we first think. It has to be processed in our mind before it comes out of our mouths. Uh, reigning in what we say has to do with taking every thought captive, as, as 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us, and retraining our brains to process and filter truth or from falsehood before it ever comes, goes from brain to mouth, from brain to tongue, and our words become actions. How do we do that? Well, we do that <clears throat> the same way Jesus did. You'll remember him in the wilderness, hungry, thirsty, and exhausted. <clears throat> and the enemy comes to him there with three temptations that he otherwise, humanly, probably would have fall, fallen to. And his response to me every time was three words, it is written. Every, every response. So how do we 
how do we filter between what happens and it starts in our brain and eventually comes out of our mouth? We filter that by, telling, by pushing back on the enemy somewhere in that process to say, here's what the Word says about your lies. Here's what the Scripture says about you. It says you're the master liar. In fact, you're, you're, the, you're the master deceiver. You're the father of every lie. So I know the lie that's coming here doesn't need to make its way out here. When that, when that starts to ring true and starts to become a habit in our lives and in, in our world, uh, Jesus was extremely vulnerable yet was together enough to know it is written is the answer. I'll tell you, you and I, when we face the enemy full of impure thoughts and lies and, 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 and misguided, looking at someone else's speck, that, that should be filtered by what the Scripture says about him and about the nature of how he works to get us in that, in that place. Um, that's, that's an interaction that is easily deceived, the Scripture tells us, that interaction between mind and tongue, between mind and mouth. I think it's vital that every believer uh, get that and understand that because look at what, turn, turn over a page or two in your, in your Bible to James chapter 3. Look at what, what verse 6 has to say. The tongue is also a fire. Listen to this language. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and watch this, is itself set on fire by hell. In essence, it is a tool of the enemy. It's a tool the enemy will regularly use and wants to use in us and for us again and again and again. So, if we're to gain control over our tongue, we're going to have to recognize, I'm going to have to filter in my mind what the enemy is telling me there. And it, that's going to have to become an automatic and not just something that, that is, becomes, as, as, as three, chapter 3, 6 says, set on fire by hell. I don't want, I don't want hell to be the, what comes out of my mouth. I want to filter that and, and understand that the enemy is lying to my, to my mind in the first place. Um, it's, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to defeat the enemy, it's a day-to-day -day process. Now, it begins with a decision that I encourage you to make today to say, listen, i got to change. I've got to change the haughty eye. I've got to change the arrogance in how I view people. I've got to change the filtration between here and here. I need to change that. Every, all, all change begins with a decision, but it's a process. You know, and why? Because the enemy's going to wake you up tomorrow and say, that's who you really are, that old guy. That, that guy who thought this and said this and thought of himself more highly than he should have. You're going to wake up Tuesday and he's going to tell you the same thing. You look in the mirror and say, listen, you're a liar. Scripture t calls you a father of every lie. Here's what, the, here's what God's Word says about you. And so I, I, I refuse to believe today what you're feeding my mind with. It's deceitful. A lying tongue is deceitful. Secondly, a lying tongue renders us worthless. Look at the last part of verse 26 again with me. He says, keep a tight rein on their tongues. They deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Their, their, their religion, their influence is worthless. James is one of my favorite books in all the Bible for a couple of reasons. One is it's extremely practical. It's an extremely practical, and the other is it's kind of an in-your-face book. It's just full of blatant, hard truth. Sometimes I don't like the truth, but it's true nonetheless, whether I like it or not. And I love the practicality of James. And here's a great example of what I'm talking about. He's saying here to these converted Jews, these Jewish converts, um, if you can't control the tongue, in other words, if you can't talk the talk, don't waste your time trying to walk the walk. The talk and the walk needs to mesh. What you say and what you do needs to mesh each other, and people need to see that kind of influence in our lives. Put another way, it's this. 
people will see through the, the religious facade you have as soon as you open your mouth. They'll see through that, and they do. Saved or lost folks, see through the you that you say you are and the you that you really are as soon as we open our mouth and corruption starts coming across our tongue. Uh, our words are, are tied to our walk, whether we recognize it or not, and those need to match each other. Those need to mesh with each other continually because others around us are getting their impression of God from you and me. Question is, what kind of impression are they getting from you? Well, I know he goes to church, and she goes, they go over there to Cross Point, but good grief, what a mouth on him. Good grief, what, a, what an arrogant attitude in her. I wonder what people see when, 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 when they see us and the impression they have of our Lord in the process of seeing us. Uh, we're, we're walking witnesses. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, says, we are ambassadors for Christ, meaning we are authorized representatives of his. We are sanctioned by him to walk into a world and penetrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were, we, that, that's our role, he says. And so I wonder if, if how we are, we are ambassador, ambassadoring. Is that a word? I wonder how we're doing at being ambassadors. I wonder what kind of ambassadors we are. Uh, do we walk and talk and look like him? So to sum up, God hates a haughty eye, an arrogant, judgmental eye, and he hates a lying tongue that's deceitful and that renders our, our influence worthless. He hates those two things. So to wrap up with a question, what's your head full of this morning? What is your head full of? Is it full of an eye that says, yeah, that may be true about me, but you've, you're worse than I am. You're, your sin's worse than my sin. You're, I'd rather focus on you to make me feel better about myself. What's our head full of? What, what, what's starting in our mind and unfiltered comes out of our mouth? What are those? What, what, what place are we finding ourselves today? Where, what's in it to, to, to rob uh, Capital or one of those credit card companies? What's in your wallet? What are you carrying around? What, because what, what's in here is going to come out here. And, and what we see here is going to determine what we feel and know to be true here about ourselves. So what's running through your mind? How does the filter work? Does it need to be taken out and washed and cleaned or or do you, do you need a whole new filtration system? I wonder what's, what we're saying, what, the, the kind of impression we're leaving, the fragrance we leave behind, the spiritual fragrance we leave behind when we leave a conversation with someone else. Well, can I tell you a harsh truth that I think we're going to discover unfolding Proverbs 6? We need to learn to hate the things God hates. Uh, hate in general, we're taught by mama, we grow up, we don't hate people, son. And no, we shouldn't, but we need to learn to hate the things God hates. Otherwise, we'll, we'll walk right into them. And we'll allow the enemy to deceive us, thinking, nice, everybody, everybody judges people that way. Everybody looks at other folks that way. It's just not just you. Everybody does that. Everybody has a haughty eye. Everybody doesn't tell the truth from time to time. Everybody embellishes from time to time. Everybody, no, they don't. And we're called to better than that. We're called to hate that ourselves as, as followers of Jesus. And I wonder, until we do, the blind eye that we turn uh, may cause us to keep falling into some of the same traps again and again and again. So where do we stand? Am I, do I find myself hating these things today or do I find myself looking like them, Walk, unintentionally walking them out in front of others around me? Let's look at what God's called us to and walk in the truth of that. Now, as I said a moment ago, 
All change begins with a decision. It doesn't stay with a decision because the enemy attacks tomorrow. The liar comes in on Tuesday. The liar shows up on Wednesday. It's a process of growth to say, this is who I'm going to be today. And with God's help, that's who I'm going to be tomorrow. And with God's help, that's who I'm going to be Tuesday. And I'm going to tell you, as, as we process things and as we move toward godliness and move toward what God has called us to, hating the things he hates, we're going to start to look in the mirror and see a different guy on Sunday morning, on Monday morning, on Wednesday morning, on Friday morning. Why? Because we're growing more effective at recognizing how the enemy works and pushing back against the lies that he tells us again and again and again about ourselves and about others. But it starts with a decision to say, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of being judgmental. I'm tired of there being no filter on what I say. I'm tired of what's coming out of my mouth. I want to reclaim that as quickly as it comes out. I'm tired of walking in that place. That begins with a decision that I want to encourage you to make today. Let's pray. Father, today, uh, oftentimes truth is hard, especially when it applies to us. And if we're sitting here today with haughty, judgmental, or, or, or sometimes even sarcastic eyes and, and, and views of others, would you speak to our hearts today and, and, and noodle around our spirits with your finger to say, that's you, that's you. And I love you, but I hate that. I hate that. So change it. Make a decision today to look through a different lens, to see this world and others around us in a different place, in a different place, to see them through your lens, to, to learn to, to filter our tongue, to guard it, to, to realize that it's left, left, left on its own is, is not a pretty thing sometimes. But with your work and your spirit ahead of us and your word in our hearts and in our minds, we can learn to filter and, and speak peace and speak hope and speak praise and speak grace to those around us. But it begins with a decision today for us to say, I'm tired of that. I hate that, in fact. But I want the other. I want what you want from me. I want what you've called me to do and be and become. Let's make that decision today and tomorrow and Tuesday and again and again and again until we've crossed that bridge and can move on to the next. We love you. We want our lives to be a reflection of that love for others, and we can't love and judge at the same time. So help us to walk as you walk and see through the lens you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.